0: Father, we just want to bring Garth before you and the word that he has prepared. Father, I pray, Lord, that that which he's sharing is what well, we trust from, from you, Lord, and we just ask that every heart that is here tonight will be open and ready to receive that which you want to share with them. We thank you and we ask you to bless Garth in this time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Connor. I appreciate it very much. Good evening, everybody. Very good to see you guys on this Sunday evening. Um, yeah, just a, a privilege to be with you tonight. Uh, just off the bat, I want to commend the young adults, uh, the faithful, that have really um, embraced Jabez House and have continued that journey with Jabez House. I think it's uh, quite, it's probably about two years ago, actually, that I think someone, a few guys in your community started that. So thanks for adopting that specific ministry. That we partner with. So yeah, Jabez 12. They've, they say they've got capacity for 12 kids, and I think they're there currently. Biological, adopted, fostered, everything in the mix, and they they're making it happen. So, um, thanks for supporting them. Uh, it's my privilege this evening to be sharing with you, regarding prophecy and us. Uh, I feel a little bit out of the out of my the water. Um, it's uh, not necessarily. Um, yeah, a topic that you get to share on often, or anything like that. So, but really, just trusting that the Lord will, will that we'd be able to hear His voice tonight collectively, um, and to know what that looks like um, for us as a community, but also um, what that looks like as we express our faith out in the world. Um, always think it's funny though that these announcements line up with me being here so often. Sometimes I'm just like, I could have done that in person. It's always awkward watching yourself on a screen. <laughs> There we go. So yeah, so uh, firstly, I just want to say thanks to Neil Bester. You may not be here, uh, probably not yet, but I just want to say thank you to him, especially uh, for the research and for the, the sermon that he prepared this morning. I've used it quite extensively, so I just want to give credit where credit is due, and then also just to Crocus Ministries for their input on um, just this topic of prophecy and us. Um, so yeah, last year, end of, uh, yeah, end of 2018, I'm driving on the N1 North. I don't know if I don't know about you guys, but the end of the year usually is quite quite an intense time of the year. There's always a lot going on. Uh, you know, you're trying to plan, you know, I don't know if you used to make New Year's resolutions. I gave up on that as well, you know, but you you're just trying to make sure that you 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 your life is meaningful, what you're doing is significant, another year is coming to an end. And I'm I can't remember where exactly I was going, but I was really just wrestling with the Lord around the craziness of life, Um, you know, the the scripture speaks, I think it's in, in Matthew 13, where Jesus speaks about the parable of the sower. And he says that there's soil, that there's seed that is sown that falls among the thorns. And it was quite recently that I realized that the seed grows up among the thorns and that those thorns actually represent the worries, the cares, and even the pleasures of this world. And the the biggest thing is we always, I always used to get stuck on the thing of where it chokes the word, you know, in our lives. But actually, what what it says uh, in the scripture is that it says it chokes the word, making it unfruitful. And I just thought, wow, man, that's like, I don't want to be unfruitful, you know. And as I was driving down there in one and, and wrestling with the Lord, I really felt that, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and just said, the surest thing that you can do in this life is to hear my voice and follow me. Um, and it just really centered me because the reality is that where the world is going is crazy. We've, you know, we, we currently I think, at about 7.4, actually 7.8 billion people on the face of the planet. Um, according to records that we've got, we've never been there before, you know. And the, the population growth is just rising we keep hearing about climate change you know whether you believe it's real or not something's happening um, and you know out of the rise of artificial intelligence it's just the the world that, that we're going to be in in about 15 20 years time not even talking about 50 years time 15 20 years time is going to be drastically different to anything that we've ever seen before and that's not speaking for like my kids or if you've got kids or your grandkids they're going to have to grow up in a world where, shucks, the Industrial Revolution style of education and all those things is not valid anymore. They've got to be ready for jobs that don't even, don't even exist yet. You know, when machines are doing the jobs that normal people were doing, shucks, you, you know? So the world is, uh, you know, that's not even talking about the ethics of, you know, putting implants in your body and becoming like half human, half, half cyborg and all these kind of things. You know, it's like, We're going into into realms and waters that we've never really been in before. And the things that you see in sci-fi films and all that kind of stuff, there's, you know, those guys are are looking to the future that is actually not so distant anymore. And um, I'm just thinking of this thing of prophecy and us, the church being God's vehicle on this planet that he wants to use to actually bring his kingdom here on earth. In the pre-service prayer, I had this very interesting image of Um, Human beings um, as a tree with our roots being anchored deeply in the earth but actually drawing nourishment and uh, actually being sustained by heaven and actually drawing heaven down into earth. I just thought that was such a such an interesting thing because we can we can very likely just be standing there looking like Jesus, when you're going to come back? You know, that can be your only hope. Like, yes, I just Jesus, I hope you come back in the next five minutes because I don't really want to deal with this. You know, this human trafficking, and you know, and the reality is that injustice, anyway, uh, injustice anyway is injustice everywhere. You know, and there's so much on earth that we don't want to deal with, and we are just looking and we say, Jesus, please just come back in the next ten minutes. But the reality is that I believe his mandate is that he wants us to bring heaven, here yeah, on earth. I'm really trying to, trying to wrestle and saying, Lord, just teach me how to pray. Like, teach me how to really, really pray. And I just, you always refer to the Lord's prayer. And he first starts, he says, when you pray, you just say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's like, we can't have this escapism mentality of just wanting to escape out of out of the world, you know. Um, so I really trust that that um, what I'm able to put forward to you tonight will just help you find that, that, that solid ground, that, that um, the foundation of Jesus that you can really just sink your roots deep into and then just draw nourishment from where you actually come from. You know, we're in this world, but not of it. Uh, you may have a South African citizenship or British citizenship or whatever but when you accepted Christ, your citizenship changed. You became a dual citizen. But essentially, we are as ambassadors from another kingdom coming to show what heaven actually looks like here on earth. And, and that's kind of the tension of being a Christian. That's the tension of being a follower of Christ. Um, and so it's important to have me and Jesus. You know, it's, it's important to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But that's not the only point. It's important for us to have a relationship with Jesus as well. This is not necessarily a local body. This is part of the body of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? It's like we've got to have this perspective of, wow, there's other churches in the city. There's other churches in this nation. We are not the church. We are just part of the church. And so we really need to have this understanding of an us, us, the followers of Christ, us, the ambassadors of Christ, us who have been birthed again for a second time that are in this world but not of it anymore. But we still, yeah, we can't be looking up and saying, Jesus, just come back in the next 10 minutes because I can't deal. He's actually, we know that. We know deep down inside that he's actually, he's, he's placed us here because he's got a purpose and an intention that he wants to fulfill in us and through us. And so I'm just thinking, what will the next 50 years entail, you know? And what kind of church are we going to be today that we will be able to, to align ourselves with what the Lord sees in the time ahead? Or are we just going to do me and Jesus in my foxhole, you know? Like just, I run to school and I come back and I go to work and I come back and I, you know, it's just this me and Jesus. And, but there, there's a lot more to it than that. And the great thing in an us is that you're not on your own. So when you're weak, someone else is strong. We carry each other's burdens. We encourage one another. We come together and we gather like this, not just because life, our personal lives are tough, but it's so that we can draw strength and courage, that we can be comforted as well, so that when we scatter again, that we'll be able to go and be the salt, the light, and the yeast in our, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And we'll, we'll get into that a bit. So I just want to do, just put some key concepts down. Um, just before we dig into it. And um, the first one is just that when we prophesy, we speak for God or on behalf of God. And that's quite a weighty thing. You know, you really got to be sure that when you prophesy, you need to know that this is the Lord that is speaking. And it's amazing that he actually entrusts us to be able to be his mouthpiece, even tonight, for me to be able to stand here, not that I'm prophesying, just to be able to stand here and address a part of his body there's huge responsibility and respect that needs to come with that. So when we pray, we speak to God, but when we prophesy, we speak for God. And so that's just an interesting thing to, to keep in mind. And it's a holy honor to be able to do that. Secondly, biblical prophecy has two aspects. It's got foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is very much pertaining to being predictive. So predicting what's going to happen in the future. And forth is essentially where God is speaking into the present to the people alive at the time. And the interesting thing that I learned from Neil this morning is that majority of um, biblical prophecy is pertaining to forth which is speaking to people that are alive in a certain moment in time and very often speaking about their current situation but also the very imminent future. You know, the not-too-distant future. Um, and that a lot of the foretelling, the predictive, especially of us as a new covenant people, the church of Jesus, everything that it would accomplish, actually forms quite a small percentage of biblical prophecy, which is quite interesting. I never knew that. Extremely valid. It's there. It's important. We need to look forward to that. But there's also this very interesting dynamic that the Lord is very, as, as serious about our present as much as we are about the future. So, I mean, we often find ourselves living in the future while still being in the present. So, but the Lord is just as interested in our present as we are about our future. Fourthly, if I'm not mistaken here, no, thirdly, um, yeah, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. It's just uh, at the outset, it's important to note the difference between the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. In 1 Corinthians 12, um, especially verse 7, it makes it clear that the gifts are available to every believer. These are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Every believer is capable of being able to prophesy. What is prophecy? Prophecy is being able to hear God's voice and share it with others. It's being a mouthpiece, it's speaking for God. So every believer is capable of being able to do that. The office of a prophet, however, is explained in Ephesians 4 verse 11. I actually always end up writing 4 verse 12 at the prison. They ask, why am I here? And I say 4 verse 12, Ephesians 4 verse 12. I don't know if anybody ever reads it. But it's essentially about equipping the saints for the work of ministry. But Ephesians 4.11 speaks about the specific office that is held by a prophet among the, the, the uh, teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, and the, and the apostle. The prophet and these, this fivefold ministry, these people are given as a gift to the church, to help the church to grow to a mature faith and to equip believers for the work of ministry. It's always interesting for me that we, we can get stuck on that fivefold ministry and think that to be a Christian means to work in a church. It's actually a very small percentage of Christians that should work in this fivefold ministry. It's not for everybody. It's actually that these guys, these people would actually equip other believers to go and do the work out there that needs to be done. Fourthly, the Corinthian church, um, Paul is probably writing to them in about AD 55. So thanks to Neil's math, as he's saying, 1,964 years later, yeah, you are sitting in the chair that you're sitting in. You know, that's almost 2,000 years of history that has passed between him writing to the Corinthians, which was very likely a small church. He's The the estimates, the scholars reckon maybe about 50, 50 people, give or take, 50 to 100 people. I mean... That's, there's more people in this room probably than, than the people that Paul was writing to. So it's just important for us to just keep in mind the, the distance in time where Paul was writing to a specific group of people and what that, means to, what that meant to them and what it means to us. Um, the size of the churches. And then, so essentially, we're, not, we, we're looking for principles that we can draw from the scripture that we can apply in our context, in our day, in this time in history. Not necessarily looking for laws or rules that we have to, like, um, enforce. And then just in what I'm going to share, I'm just going to do a take, uh, a double take, on the, the gathered church and prophecy and the scattered church and prophecy. And I trust that you'll be able to locate yourself in both categories. And I'm really trusting the Lord that we'd be able to tonight maybe just take some time and see with Him what He sees, what He thinks, what He feels about your specific context. Um, so, but we'll get there. Hopefully this will just lay a foundation for that and that we can, we can just start to tap into His prophetic imagination. Like, what is it that the Lord sees when He looks at you, when He looks at your, your school, your work, your life? What does he see? And so essentially, um, those are just the, the key concepts there. And moving on to the church gathered in prophecy, um, 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 speaks about the spiritual gifts and the manifestations in the gathered church. And there's a few, quite a few passages that mention that um, in, these, um, in, these, in these specific portions of scripture. Um, as you'll be able to see there, it's, there's, there's, there's scripture references from chapter 12, 13, and 14. And essentially, Paul is arguing for a greater diversity of gifts, but from the same spirit. So he's saying it's one spirit that gives different gifts to different people, but it's all toward the working together of the body. Just a brief breakdown of the chapters. Chapter 12 is is essentially about the analogy of the body and all the members of the body working together. Um, you can see there that 1 Corinthians 12 verses 15 to 20 speaks about don't disregard your own gift. So that's kind of where he's speaking about, you know, the foot is, is saying, you know, I, you know, I'm not good enough to be part of the body and da-da-da-da-da. So he's just saying don't disregard the gift that the Lord may have given you or the gifts that the Lord may have given you. And the following um, verses are speaking about don't disregard someone else's gift. So just because their gift is different, their expression is different, don't disregard it and say, well, that's for you, this is for me. It's actually one body working together. And it's essential that we understand that analogy of the body. Just again, this is not a local body. This is part of the body. You understand what I'm saying? So it's important. We need to get those connections right. And we understand um, just how the Lord is trying to work with us as the church. 1 Corinthians 13, what is it famous for? Ah, you guys are not great lovers, eh? Oh. What is it famous for? Love, love you know. I've, so essentially the gift should operate by means of agape, which is love. Um, not just the, the English kind of love that we're looking for, but as you can see there, it's looking toward the good of the other. It's actually a selfless love. It's a love that puts the good of the other before the good of itself. And so essentially, that's the kind of love that we need to function with when it comes to prophecy. And we'll unpack that a bit more. So these gifts, prophecy being one of them, um, including the office of the prophet, need to function on the basis of agape. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, um, when the church is gathered, we need to prefer the gifts that actually edify the church. So, and we're going to just unpack that a little bit as we as we go on. Just wanted to read, um, there's two main portions of scripture that I want to read with you guys tonight. Um, and the first is going to be 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 to 5, including verse 12 and verse 26. Um, I'm not, uh, just because of time and also because of just the density of trying to cover this Um, We're just isolating some specific verses, not trying to avoid any other verses or anything like that. Um, But 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5, 12 and 26 goes as follows. And it just says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Those are three important things to keep in mind when when it comes to prophecy. Is that essentially prophecy is there for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort of the followers of Christ. Okay? Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Edify just means to build up. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Again, we gotta gotta just, I'll unpack some of that stuff with you guys because otherwise you can do the thing of, well, that's okay, but this is actually where we need to be. So we just need to keep those tensions um, in balance with one another. Verse 12 says, So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Again, agape, it's selfless. It's not about me. Um, it's actually about Jesus. This is your church. How do you want to use me? How does, it's not so much, Lord, what is your will for my life? But Lord, how does my life form part of your will? It's just, it's just that switch. Verse 26 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So that's that's that specific portion of Scripture. And just in terms of some principles for us to practice, specifically in regards to the gathering of the church and prophecy... Um, The first one is when the church gathers, gifts that build up the church should be given preference. Paul makes it pretty clear, yeah, but I just want to unpack what that looks like. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7, Paul writes and he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Again, it's just saying whatever can edify the church, let's give preference to that. Whatever's going to edify the individual, hey, You've got your prayer closet, you know, go and do your thing or, you know, don't necessarily look for stage time or come to the ministry mic with that. It's important that we give preference to the things that are actually going to build up the church when the church is all together. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the ministry mic yeah, or in the main service or anywhere else where someone gets up and they actually share a personal word, something that the Lord spoke to them, but they they kind of missed it. And when it went through the process, it actually, it wasn't necessarily meant for the entire congregation. It was actually meant for that individual, but they felt so, they felt it so strongly, they thought this must be for everybody. So it's important for us to discern the difference between what is for the individual and also what is there to edify the church when they gather. So if you look at verse three, which is the one speaking about the one who prophesies, speaks to people for their strengthening, and that's, it says, um, it's important to know that it's, that prophecy is for, is for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort of the believers. What is important as well is uh, the matter of intelligibility, which just means to be understood. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 19 says that, But in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. And so essentially Paul's writing is just saying, Man, if I just had five words, forget about the 10,000 words in a tongue that not anyone's going to understand without an interpretation. Just give me five words so that I can build up the church. So he's just, he's just saying when we gather, that is the emphasis. There's also the, um, the thing of um, prophecy being greater. Um, you may think, yes, now I really need to, tongues is actually not so important, but I actually really need to focus on prophecy. That's not, that's not what Paul is saying. He's just saying when we gather together, let prophecy have preference. That's why the one who prophesies in the gathering, that's why prophecy is greater than tongues. So just to get that perspective right with, in terms of the preference and the weight um, when we gather together and when we scatter again. So just continuing from there, um, just to make it clear that the first principle is when the church gathers, gifts that build up the church should be given preference. And then just moving to the second portion of scripture for tonight, which is 1 Corinthians 14, verses 29 to 33, and then verses 39 to 40. It reads as follows. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what he said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of Prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and an orderly way. So if you're reading between the lines, you can imagine a scenario where the Corinthians are coming together, they emphasizing speaking in tongues because they think it's pretty cool. And so they come coming together, Paul even speaks later on, and in certain portions yeah, he speaks about unbelievers coming among you and not even understanding what is going on in this space, you know? And so the Corinthians are they're giving preference to tongues when they gather. No one's understanding anything. And prophecy is, is not really um, coming to the fore. So no one's really getting edified. So you can imagine I'm coming to Brad and I'm saying, and Brad's not understanding anything that I'm saying. Um, and then he's speaking to me and saying, yeah, and then it's like, you know, so we're speaking, no one is learning anything here. We're all just walking around edifying ourselves, but it's we're in a gathered space. We've all come together to be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. And so Paul, if you're reading between the lines, he's just saying, guys, like there's a way of doing things when you guys get together. So let's, let's actually be sensitive to building each other up Let's not build ourselves up, but let's really give preference to prophecy in this space. And with this, it's just important that um, the second principle that I just want to share with you guys tonight is that prophecy needs to be weighed or tested. Okay? It doesn't matter if it's the, mo- the world's most renowned prophet, he can really, I mean, I, I've been sitting, I've sat in a room before where a man of God came and he, he spoke, the, like the people that I've journeyed with started laughing because they know that what he's saying is true. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and, you know, after two sentences, I'm in tears because all of a sudden, you know, he's speaking my whole life. He even spoke about things pertaining to my family that I wasn't even aware of that were confirmed that evening. You know what I'm saying? So, but we always need to take that and test it. And, What I found often is that we very easily paint in the prophetic word. We color it in with our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own with how we think it's going to play out. And there's a lot of disappointment that comes with that. So it's quite a difficult thing to have a prophetic word and to actually wait on it, wait on the Lord with it, meditate on that word. Pray through it with the Lord. Pray through it with your, with your elders, with your cell group leaders, with the people that you trust that are on this journey with you. It's quite a tricky thing. So often we just think, cool, that's money in the bank, and I'm going to park it there, and it's just going to come to fulfillment somehow, some way. But we all do it. We all secretly color it in, and we, we think, yes, but, you know, Maybe in three months' time with that thing that might work out, that might actually mean that this thing. And we start to scheme and we start to, you know. But the reality is we actually really need to meditate on it. We need to weigh it. We need to test it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I think verse 11 or 12, it just says that don't despise prophecy. Test everything and take what is good. Hold on to what is good, you know. So we, we really need, especially in this world, mass media, all the things going on, It won't harm you to be able to start to um, get your discernment game on, you know, (laughs) like really just to grow in discernment and to really understand what am I hearing? What am I hearing? You know, is this the Lord's voice? Is it not? Um, So it's very important that we weigh and that we test the prophetic words. In terms of the, 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 the scripture of the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. It sounds quite cryptic and vague. And what does that really mean? Um, just listening to Neil this morning was quite um, enlightening He was just saying that God recognizes that we have a free will and that essentially God actually entrusts us with a word. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm as blurted out um, as soon as I hear it. So because he wants to co-labor with us, he wants to partner with us, he entrusts his word to us, we also have to journey with him to know when must I release this word, how must I release this word, what does that look like? So we can't just run off over the horizon saying, thus saith the Lord, and whatever. It may be the wrong time, you know. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, the, sometimes people really mean well, and they say certain things, but it, the timing may be off. You know, I've, I've had a prophetic word from a very renowned prophet um, in like 2012, And no, this is actually, sorry, it's like more like 2010 or something like that. Five years later, give or take, I'm sitting and I'm listening to prophetic words in this. And there's a portion there that only made sense to me like five years later. That actually was exactly what I needed in that moment in my life. You know what I'm saying? That's obviously the personal prophecy side of things. But the thing is timing is so crucial. And how is also so crucial. So that's, that's essentially what Paul's saying is that the spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. And there's an element of self-control, which, by the way, is a fruit of the spirit. There is an element of self-control in terms of receiving the word of the Lord for others and really um, being entrusted with that, taking the responsibility and sharing it. I mean, um, Jeremiah says it burnt in his body, it burnt in his bones like a fire. You know, he said, if I keep my mouth closed, it's going to consume me, you know, but he still had to exercise that self-control in understanding, Lord, how do you want me to share this word? Principle number three is that when the church gathers, we need God's order and peace so that the church may be built up. This is that scripture where it says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And what is so interesting, actually, is that Paul is not comparing order and, or disorder and order. He's comparing disorder and peace. So he's just saying those are the things that he's putting at, he's juxtaposing them. He's putting them at opposite ends. He's, he's just saying that, but everything should be done in a fitting and an orderly way. And this morning, what Neil, what Neil did is he showed a, a picture of a man-made um, or a man-planted forest so a really beautiful picture. It wasn't your regular plantations, um, but every, all the trees were in neat rows. They had spaces between them. There was grass growing in between. There was a bit of an ecosystem going, and it looks lovely, you know. And for some people, you may think that that's what order looks like. And then what he did this morning is he just he flips the picture, and all of a sudden, there's an indigenous forest. It's beautiful, but there's all different kinds of trees, not just one tree. Um, there's a whole ecosystem going as well, but you can't see down this row what, what lies down the end. It's really, it's, it's this like Amazon forest kind of a vibe. And that's also a form of God's order. He put that in place, it works, it does great. And if you mess with that ecosystem, actually, you start to actually mess with that order that is in place there. So just an interesting thing that he did was to say, My, the order that I expect may not be the order that, um, that that should be in place you know so he's just saying we're not going for your order or my order we're actually going for God's order and that can look that can look differently to what we expect but essentially he's saying whatever whatever this order is there we actually need to ensure that we can that we can establish an atmosphere of peace because in an atmosphere of peace the church can be edified the church can be built up so just interesting to note that he's not contrasting Um, disorder and order, but rather disorder and peace, which is quite interesting to note. So those are just three principles regarding the gathered church and prophecy. I trust that that's clear for you guys. It's important that um, the preference is given to the gifts that um, edify the church when we gather. Prophecy must be weighed or tested. Don't just drink it and think you're going to be fine. Um, You know, you need to, you really need to journey through those things with the Lord And then just to ensure that God's order and peace is in place so that the church can be edified. Um, And again, it's that that thing of it's not about me. It's not about me having the mic. It's not about me being on the stage. It's actually about how do I contribute toward what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's what I love about the the guys that come up with music ministry. And they really just try to facilitate and say, yes, Lord, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How do we usher your people into your presence? And it's really that relationship. They put, they're not there to be performers. They're actually putting themselves at the back in obscurity and just saying, how can we serve your, your people that have come here tonight? So just then shifting through to the church scattered and prophecy, or the scattered church and prophecy. In the New Testament, there's a word that's used which, for the church, which is, called, which is ecclesia. I'm pronouncing it in my English way. Um, Neil pronounces it probably in the proper way. He's probably studied Greek for like 10 years, I think, and, and all of that, and can read it backwards in that. But essentially, the definition that he gave this morning was saying that we are a distinctive community called out and characterized by love, but surrendered and loyal to Jesus above anything else. I thought that was such a... Such a, you know, hitting the nail on the head statement. We are a distinctive community called out of the world, characterized by love, but surrendered and loyal to Jesus above anything else. The ecclesia of God then meaning that we are his called out ones. Okay? Not called out to be lamps that are hidden, you know, under a bucket or something like that, as Jesus speaks about in the Beatitudes, but really called out so that we can be his people in the world. We need to understand that the church or the ecclesia is a prophetic community. One Peter chapter two verse 9 says that, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so God calls us out of the world to become his people to become this special possession, this royal priesthood, this chosen people, this holy nation. And essentially it's about living to declare God's word, to speak for God in the world around us. And then sometimes that speaking is a verbal, you know, a verbal communication. But at other times, and actually the majority of the time, it is expressed through how we live differently to those around us. You know, you at work people are cussing or they're gossiping around the coffee stand or, you know, there's just a situation that erupts and people can't understand why you respond with forgiveness. Not like a doormat or like a dog with a tail between his legs, but they really don't, when they put their heads down on their pillows at night, they're like, why did that person respond that way? You know, or when, when, um, when I spoke up and embarrassed them in that meeting, they didn't attack me directly. Are we okay here, guys? Are we fine? Okay. All right. So often it's it's verbal communication, but at other times it's expressed through our lifestyle and how we live differently to those around us. This is now us being his chosen ones, his ecclesia. His only plan, not plan A or plan B, but his only plan on the face of this planet. Being a prophetic community There's three things that I just want to share with you tonight about being this prophetic community that God calls us to, that he's included us in. And it's the first point that I want to share with you is being a prophetic community means that we need to understand the times. Okay? We can't be just hoping Jesus come back, Jesus come back, Jesus come back so that all my problems can stop and all the things can, you know, that I can just get out of this world and that his grace is sufficient for us. In these things, He cares deeply about our suffering. He also cares deeply about the suffering of others. And so oftentimes God will call us to things that really um, are bigger than ourselves. And it's good because then we can really trust in Him and rely on Him. It's His work. But He's inviting us to co-labor with Him in that. And so being a prophetic community means we need to understand the times. If we want to live differently from the world, we need to know what's going on around us. And we also, in light of being able to read that context, to read what's going on, we 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 also need to be able to see God's answer, His prophetic imagination for that space or that scenario, or for that people group. the 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 famous scripture for that is one Corinthians, uh, sorry, one Chronicles twelve verse thirty two. And it's actually speaking about the sons of Issachar in a very political time in Israel, where. Power, political power is moving from King Saul to David, who's the recognized king. And so it says there that the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. And the thing with that is if we are a prophetic community, if we as believers are part of this prophetic community, we need to be able to understand the times, but also knowing what is it that the church needs to be doing in this time. We've got a lot of opportunities, eh? (laughs) We can either be extremely passive or we can really get it right. We can really discern the times. We can stand the ground. We can represent and we can actually be that prophetic voice that speaks into all these different spaces that we, we see on the news. We see it every single day. People speak about it around the brides or around you know the, the restaurant tables, around the dinner table. There's so much opportunity actually for the church to be the church. And so we really need to grow in discerning of the times. We need to grow in our discernment. And fortunately, there's a gift called the discerning of spirits as well. So we can really, the Lord is on our side. He wants to help us. And he's, how many of us have have we put in, in, he's put us in places, in positions, in things where he really wants to to co-labor with us in those spaces. No one else is going to reach the people that you reach. No one else is walking with Jesus in the spheres of influence that you're walking in. So it's really like we need to be able to discern those times. Another scripture is in Esther chapter 1, verse 13, where it says, Since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice, he spoke with the wise men who understood the times. Um, so it's, it's crucially important for us to, to journey with the Lord in those spaces. The second thing I want to share with you regarding being a prophetic community is that being a prophetic community means living, speaking, and standing for truth. Essentially, being the salt, being the light, and being the yeast. Obviously, the, the light and the salt, uh, Jesus speaks about that in, in Matthew chapter 5, that you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And also the yeast in, in Matthew chapter 13, He speaks about how the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, like yeast that a woman puts into all the dough or all the, 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 the dough that she has in her house and leaves it overnight so that the leaven, the yeast can work through everything. And that's essentially how we're supposed to be, is that we're supposed to be the salt that is influencing in our neighborhoods, in our communities, even in our families, that salt that is just being the influence. The light that is revealing the truth, it's that different way. It's where people realize, shucks, this person is showing me something I haven't seen before. And it's amazing when we get it right,? Eh? I don't know if any of you have been in a space or seen someone who's who's standing in a certain space or something's happened to them, and they've responded out of the kingdom. They've responded out of the spirit with the the Holy Spirit within them and just said, "It's actually like this, you know it's like how Jesus just left the, the scribes and Pharisees confounded you know they always had their hands over their mouth and like they're like oh well we'll never test him again you know kind of thing it's like it's always beautiful for me to see when that actually happens where people are being the salt and being the light and uh, I just always think of the people that go and put their heads on their pillows at night and can't sleep because they, they don't understand that response it's like, how could that person love me when I've been deliberately trying to usurp them and actually tear them down publicly at work? Or, you know, and then they just respond to me with like a bunch of flowers on my desk. You know, it's like you sleeping peacefully, you know, because if you die tonight, you find before the Lord. But that person doesn't know the Lord and they're so confounded by this love, this other kingdom that, they, that they're coming in contact with. Let's be the salt, let's be the light, let's be the yeast. The third thing about being a prophetic community means that we pray. We discern God's will, but we don't just pray, we act. We also implement God's will on earth as it is in heaven. I always think of the, um, the vision. I don't know if any of you know Pete Gregg and the 24-7 prayer movement and the vision. Uh, it's a poem that he wrote um, you know, at like two o'clock in the morning on a prayer room wall or something like that, he wrote this this prayer. But he just says, they, they pray as though it all depends on God and live as though it all depends on them. And he really just speaks about the, the, this life of prayer that we are called to. Um, but also that it's not about being passive observers. It's actually about being active participators. You know, with God. So when... When things are going off in our city, it's good to pray. But at the same time, we need to be able to implement God's will. So when we discern His will through prayer, we also need to be able to implement whatever that looks like. Obedience doesn't necessarily mean the biggest, flashiest thing. Oftentimes, it's the most obscure thing that doesn't bring glory to you. But it's obedience. That's all it requires, not even sacrifice. Sometimes obedience looks like sacrifice but oftentimes we sacrifice things that God didn't even require us to sacrifice. He says, I prefer obedience above sacrifice. And the crazy thing with that, with that's, I've wrestled with that statement for so long, but Jesus is speaking into a culture where they would slaughter animals for animal sacrifices because of their sin. And he's just saying, you wouldn't have to make those sacrifices if you were obedient. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, wow, man, like the penny dropped for me. And so often we think that to be a Christian, I need to sacrifice this and do this and do that. And often I've come to realize in my own life, I've sacrificed many things that God didn't require me to sacrifice. And even in doing that, I can miss being obedient. So it's about being active participators, not just passive observers. You and I are here to carry God's prophetic imagination for our neighborhoods, our families, our city, our country. And when I'm speaking about prophetic imagination, I'm speaking about what does God see? He's invited us. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are like by far, you know, radically, completely different to your ways. But he still invites us to come and dream with him. Chris said it, we don't don't worship from the dust up. We actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when we pray, We're not praying like, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, just I wish that you would just heal my, my, you know, so-and-so, and I just, you know. But he's actually saying, why don't you come and take up your position and actually pray from my bosom, leaning back in my bosom, and actually pray into these situations as I lead you. There's just a difference. I realize that my ear is actually right there by his bosom. I can just hear the beating of his heart. It's very different to being... A thousand, you know, million kilometers away in my perspective, in the dust, feeling like God is somewhere else, not interested in my own life. He's just saying, Hey, why don't you just take up your sonship? Why don't you just take up your daughterhood? Why don't you just realize that you are my child? I've included you. What is the world gonna look like in 20 years' time? Where are you gonna be at in 20 years' time? not even 50 years time, I'm thinking about my kids, I really, my wife and I prayed hard about it, and he gave us twins as well, I was like, yo, but we prayed really hard, and I was just like, Lord, there's already kids that are are alive today, that they've been abandoned, they've been cast out, we've got awesome people like the Alexander family that takes children in like that, I'm just like, Lord, now we're thinking about bringing more kids into the world, and there's kids that are already, yeah, you know. And we really prayed and wrestled through this. And then the Lord said to me, just said, what if I want a holy generation in the time to come? What if I want beacons of light in the darkness that is going to be present in 20, 30 years time? I just thought, shucks, what does that mean for my children? I don't know. But that's what obedience looks like. You know, it's like, "Shucks, Okay. I mean, I love my kids to bits, but I don't know what's going to happen to them 20, 30 years from now. I don't even know what's going to happen to them tomorrow. It's scary, eh, Chris? As a parent, you're just like, man, this is my little guy. You know, I've got a little guy and a little girl. You just think, you know, there's human trafficking stuff and all these things and you, you know. But what is the Lord saying? Not only to you as a believer who sits in that chair, but to us. How willing are you to say, it's not about me, but it's about Jesus. It's about what he wants to accomplish. It's not about my comforts. It's not about my consumer mentality. It's not about me getting up in the levels from lower income to middle income and to upper income. That's not, you know, what are the molds that society is trying to conform us to? And he's just saying, I want you to be conformed to my image. (laughs) His way is not the way of the world. He says, you want to go up, you've got to serve the least. You know, and he's, he, that Jesus constantly does that. The people are constantly confounded by the way the kingdom operates. Economics. They, they come to him with, uh, with the thing about taxes. And Jesus just says to Peter, Peter, just go catch a fish. In the fish's mouth is going to be a coin. Bring me the coin and just give it to these guys. There's enough for you and for me. You know, that's just how he rolls. You know, he's not like... Shucks, Peter, you know, you actually need to stop being my disciple for a while and go get a job so that we can just sort out this problem Yeah, That's just the, the stereotypical mold that we've grown into. So the way of the kingdom is very different, but we're not going to go into the depths of it if we're not going to journey with Jesus in that. And so essentially there's, in, in being a prophetic community, it means that we need to understand the times. So let's grow in our discernment. It means that we need to live, speak, and stand for the truth. Being salt, being light, and being yeast. And it means that we pray and we act. And in terms of application, I just thought to take a a brief few moments, maybe for you at your first time, to really hear some of these concepts and things um, maybe you're already on a journey with the Lord. So for some of you, it may be starting. For some of you, it may just be going deeper into what the Lord is already laying on your hearts. But I just want you to take a couple minutes, just let's say two minutes, and just take some time to hear and see what He, what he, what he sees, what He's saying about your specific context. Just think about where you're going to be tomorrow morning. What's your, what's your plan? You know, are you going to be at university? You know, Are you going to be working with a with a a client in the business that you have? Are you going to be lecturing? What are you you know? Are you going to be in a big board meeting? It's end of the year, the economy is tight, you're looking at retrenching staff. You in a position like that? Where are you going to be tomorrow morning? Just think about that. Can you just think about that space? If you've got if you can if you can see that space, just put up your hand quickly, just so that I can get a. You know where you're going to be, eh? By the grace of God, of course, but. That's the plan, right? Okay? Okay. I just want you to close your eyes. We close our eyes so that we don't get distracted. But don't get distracted with your thoughts. <laughs> and just pray this simple prayer. God, help me to hear. Help me to see what you are saying and what you see about my context. Just think of your job. Think of that boardroom that you may be in. Think of that lecture hall. Think of the exam. I don't know. Maybe it's a family situation. I don't know. But just briefly press into him and say, Lord, what do you see? What do you say? For some of you, maybe you've just got a word. For some of you, maybe the Lord has shown you a scenario playing out. Maybe he's put a choice in front of you. I don't know. But if you have if you believe you received something from the Lord, I want to ask you just to stand up. And with that, it's, it's just to say, Lord, I'm taking you serious on this. And then we're just going to start to pray that into action. Is that okay? So it's just moving from prayer into action. That's all I'm trying to trying to activate with you guys tonight. If you feel like you've got something from the Lord, just stand up and then we'll just pray, pray into that. And even if you don't have anything, that desire in your heart just to say, Lord, I I really, this thing is bugging me or I've got a sense of what you're trying to do but it's not clear for me, feel free, stand up. And we just engage with him. Just because of time, I'm going to go going once, going twice. <laughs> okay. And you can just, I'm just going to pray and close. But pray with me. He hears you. So Father, we, we are so grateful to you that we can hear your voice. And not only for us, but for us as a church. that we can hear your voice for others, that we can, that we can, through that veil that was torn, that we can come near to you and that we can know what to do in the right time, how to do it, in the spheres of influence that we find ourselves in. Father, there's a lot of people that have stood up that believe that you've been, you're saying something to them. And I just acknowledge them taking a stand and just saying, Lord, I take you seriously. I take you seriously on what you've shown me or said to me. And I, wanna, I don't only want to pray, but I want to be an active participator in what you are telling me. And so I just pray that, that you would reveal to each and every single one of us what it is that the next step is for us, Father. So thank you so much that that we can hear your voice tonight and that tomorrow morning when that alarm goes off, that you you still are the same one that spoke to us this evening. We just thank you that your word is faithful. It is true. Your word never comes back to you void. It always comes back, salutes and says, I've accomplished what you sent me out to do. And we avail ourselves to say that we, like Isaiah, say, here am I. I'm willing to engage. I'm willing to participate actively with you in bringing your kingdom here on earth, in my everyday space, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my country, in whatever context I find myself in. So Father, I just bless your people in the name of Jesus. I pray that the spirit of prophecy will will saturate us, that we would just know exactly what to do and when to do it, how to do it, Lord, that we can journey deeply with you in obedience, listening to your voice in the chaos, the volatility, the uncertainty of this world as it is now and how it will be. And thank you that it's your voice that will help us navigate what tomorrow looks like, and what 50 years down the line looks like, Lord. Help us to be aligned with you. Help us to be pleasing to you. Help us to not allow the worries, cares, pleasures, and even deceitfulness of wealth to choke your word in our lives, making us unfruitful. Help us to abide in you, the true vine. For apart from you, we can do nothing. So that we may bear fruit and bring glory to your name that when we come home or when you return, we can stand before you with confidence and that we can see the fruit that we have labored for in our lives with you. So I just bless your people in the name of Jesus. Help us to travel home safely. Help us with the difficulties in life and help us to celebrate the the joys and the sunny days. And help us to represent you accurately and authentically as images of God in this world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.